Okay. Well, I'm going to sing a song this morning. It's called, Isn't He Good? Isn't God good to us? No matter how many things that uh, we find ourselves in predicament situations, he's always good to us, Father. And, uh, you know, all good gifts we know, the Bible says, come from God. And so I'm just thankful for that this morning. And so I'm going to sing a song a little on the upbeat side compared to what we normally sing. But, you know, that last uh, song uh, was uh, good. And I'm not talking about yours, Tracy, because it was great. I'm talking about the other one. And uh, so uh, for the cause, and it was kind of upbeat. And so I hope you'll uh, enjoy this song as I talk about it in this and sing about uh, how good God is. you know what, I can speak uh, to this song very easily because he's been so good to me and my wife and our family and 
All my children are saved. I've got four of them, and most of my grandchildren and, uh, are saved. And so I really look forward to that because, you know, when your family's together, when we're united, we have a, a great uh, fellowship together. But when we're divided, we have difficulties. And, you know, one of the biggest things that's going on in our nation today is we know that God is a uniter. He wants us to unite together to be for him and with him. But we are divided in this nation because Satan has got a hold of this nation. And there's things going on, and so I'm going to speak to that this morning. Our nation's leadership is in divided, and the people who are, are also divided, you look at the legislatures, the Congress, the senators, uh, everybody seems to be divided at this point in our life. And, you know, I grew up in the 60s and 70s, and it was pretty bad back then. That's the hippie era. That was Vietnam. Everybody was protesting Vietnam. I was in Vietnam, and everybody else was protesting. I don't know why, how I ended up in Vietnam and, and uh, wasn't protesting. What, what can I protest? Uh, but anyway, there was so much chaos going on in, in America in the 60s and 70s. How many of y'all grew up in the 60s and 70s you know what I'm talking about? Okay, the, you young ones uh, may not understand, but it, it seemed so bad and perilous in the 60s and 70s that it was unbelievable. And today, I, I would tell you that today what's going on in our government and what's going on in our nation is worse, much worse than the 60s and 70s. And can we come out of this? Well, we're going to... We're going to read some uh, lessons here in the scripture, and we'll talk about it. But you know what? You know, if your marriage is not together, if you're not united together in your marriage, you're pitted against one another. You need to be united in your marriage, in your families, in your children. And you know, we have children. Children, as they grow older, and y'all listen to this, children, as you grow older, you decide you want to do things your way. Okay, and your parents are old-fashioned. I used to call my mother occasionally. I didn't say it to her face, but I said, Mom, you're old-fashioned. Well, she was old-fashioned. There wasn't anything wrong with that, but uh, today it's really out of whack, one way or the other. Well, the primary scripture that we're going to look at this morning is written to Israel, but it's applicable to the United States. And it says, for everything that was written in the scripture was written there in, in the past, to give us fair warning of what is going on in the world. And you know, if, if God loved the Israelites as much as he did, and all the things that happened to them, uh, if you think he won't bring uh, judgment on the United States, and I believe we're already in judgment. Now, I, my prayer is that God would relent from some of the things that are going on in our nation, but God's the only one to unite us together again. And so we need to be in prayer to him. Our, our, our nation's laws and constitution were established based on Judeo-Christian uh, ethics. And uh, the founding pilgrims of America confirmed that in their intent on the Mayflower Compact that they, they wrote. There were 41 uh, signers of the Mayflower Compact uh, of the 101 people there on board. So, you know, quite, not quite 50% of the people there were committed to God. And that was the whole purpose behind it. I'm going to read you just a partial rendition of the document. Reads, this is the Mayflower Compact. And it says, in the name of God, amen. We whose name are unwritten, underwritten, the loyal subjects of our dread sovereign Lord King James, by the grace of God, having undertaken for the glory of God and advancement of the Christian faith and honor of our king and country, voyage we promise a voyage to plant the first colony in the northern parts of Virginia. 
So they have made a compact together, okay, that they were going to firmly uphold God's laws. These were the pilgrims, okay? And any of you guys out there pilgrims? Any of y'all ever watched John Wayne? He says, hello, pilgrims. Well, you don't know what I'm talking about. I'll tell you later about that. But anyway, uh, George Washington, in his first inaugural address in 1789, he stated that the form of government in the U.S. was provided for the security of the nation and the union and for its happiness. He also stated that our success and divine blessing was dependent upon our commitment to Jehovah God. Now, our first president do that. Now, we, we have moved away from that, and, and, and Trump says some good things, okay, and at least he supports the Christians. But prior to that, we were headed in the absolute wrong direction. Is there going to be a turnaround? I don't know. But if we don't unite together, we're doomed. And so it's important that we look at the, the standards that the, the Old Testament uh, told Israel was established and blessed by God himself, and he promised to King David. King David, as you know, was the great king of Israel. King David brought the nation to a, a peaceful situation, and he wanted to build a temple, but that temple was not, he was not allowed to build that temple because he was not a man of peace. He was a man of war. And Israel, the name Israel and Jerusalem in particular means house of peace. How can you bring peace to the house if you have no peace in you? Well, David had peace, but he was a man of war. And so that, uh, that uh, position of establishing the kingdom and the temple in Israel was given to his son Solomon, who was a, a man of great wisdom. And so uh, in Chronicles 6, verse 14 through 42, uh, King Solomon, he gets up and he prays, and he's talking to the Lord, and he says, Lord, he says, we've built this magnificent temple. Now, he says, and what we want to do here, Lord, is, all, and he lists a great number of things in, in the, probably the longest uh, prayer in all the Old Testament. Now, Jesus' prayer in, in John chapter 17 is a very long prayer too, but, but uh, this was written to, Eagle, uh, to Israel. And, but what we have to remember on this, that uh, when things go wrong in a land, the land did not sin. The people sinned. And these were God's chosen people. Now, we're his chosen people, but do we sin? And if we think that we are, uh, can avoid the, uh, the problems with uh, living under God's laws and not following his, uh, his requirements, if we think we can do that, then I, I hate to tell you, it can't be done. The Apostle Peter speaks to this same issue. He, he says, for it is time for judgment to begin with the family of God, and it begins with us. So the judgment that comes upon a nation starts with us. Did you know that? It starts with the house of God. Now this is, a, I, you know, I, I was thinking about, isn't he good? God is good. But I also thought about the fact that I'm, I'm preaching on something that may sound very negative to a lot of people. But it should be a, as an encouragement to us to get in line with God's word, to read his word, and so on and so forth. You know, it, as you go back and you look at some of the uh, surveys that are taken in the nation, okay, by Barna Research, Pew, and some of the others, you know, 70, somewhere around 70% of Americans claim to be Christians, okay? But, but it gets down to a point like 23% actually go to church uh, at least once a month, 
Okay? That doesn't make you, mean you're going to heaven just because you come to church. You know, some people said, one guy said, he says, I went to, he says, when I was, before I was born, I went to church nine months before, you know, because uh, his mother always went. That doesn't make you a Christian. What makes you a Christian is an acceptance of Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. And so a lot of times we think, well, we can come here and we can bow down and do all these things and, and, and God's going to bless us. But we know that even King Solomon, when he was dedicating the temple there in Jerusalem, and it was beautiful, it's magnificent. And we, we've had the opportunity to go to Israel two or three times and uh, where the temple uh, stands or did stand, nothing left there but a wall. And, you know, you go there and you can tell how mag- magnificent it was, but, of course, the structure's not there. But it will be rebuilt. That's a, that's a clear fact according to the Scripture. It will be re- rebuilt in a time of trouble. And that time is we've already got the, we've already got the Jewish people that have already gone through the rites to, to, and, and they know exactly how to f- perform the sacrifices that have to be made. But you know that King Solomon, when he was getting ready to, do, to uh, dedicate the temple, he sacrificed 22,000 cattle and 122,000 sheep and goats. Now that, I don't know, I don't know how that could even happen. Do you imagine that? But he was doing this to... Uh, uh, to uh, to commit this temple to God Himself, and so we're going to read in the in the scriptures here. If you if you have your Bibles, uh, I don't think I even gave it to, to uh, my brother up there. But Second Chronicles chapter seven, verse twelve, and I'm going to just read you just an excerpt for this because King Solomon had already prayed before Israel to the Lord that if if when this temple was dedicated, Lord, here's what we're doing. And if we do not stand up and, and bow down to you and do what we're supposed to be doing, then here's what I request. And here's God's request. It's a shortened version of what um, King Solomon has said. So chapter 7, verse 12, it says, The Lord appeared to him, talking about Solomon, at night, and he said to Solomon, I have heard your prayers, and I have chosen this place for myself as a temple for sacrifices. When, when I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command locusts to devour the land or send the plague among my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, okay, then I will turn from, and turn from their wickedness. Then will I hear from heaven, and I will forgive their land and will heal heal their land, or forgive their sins and heal their land. He says, now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. You know, it's interesting. When we come to know the Lord, we know the Holy Spirit is invested in us. He's put in us. He's, we're sealed for the day of redemption. And when that Holy Spirit's in us, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit now. And Israel, was a, was a, their, their focus was on the temple. Their whole life revolved around the temple. What does that say about us? Our whole life ought to revolve around Jesus Christ himself. Since the temple of God is, is us, okay, and as we gather together. And sometimes we, we, we lose this uh, understanding of things. Now, he says in here, now remember this, all scripture is written for us, but it's not about us. Now, this particular was written to the Jewish people, okay? So it was written to them. But it also has application in our personal lives. 
And so we'll look at the, the there's seven things in, in this particular passage that we're going to just uh, hone in on real quickly. Number one is that this verse has a message for all believers. We can't toss it aside just because it didn't say us, but it has, a like I say, an application to us. And he starts off, he says, if my people will call by my name. We call ourselves Christians. So it does apply. My people, my people. I consider myself a person of God, a man of God. And I don't mind, and I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay, I'm not ashamed of that, and I don't mind speaking up no matter where I go or whatever I've done. Now, I have pastored before, but that is not the issue. The issue is when I got to a point in my life where I committed my life totally to Christ, which was when I was around 38 years old, things changed. Everything changed, as a matter of fact. Okay, and that's when I committed to the Lord everything. said, Lord, I, I, I'm a... I'm committed to you, and I'm going to do what you want me to do and go where you want me to go. And I know my wife has told me this many times. We, we talk about it. And she said when it was right after that she committed her life. She'd come out of a Catholic background, and she uh, knew a little bit about scriptures but really never went to church too much occasionally. But she says she went forward and committed her life. She says, no turning back. That was her phrase, no turning back. I'm not turning back. Okay, and I'm not turning back, and I pray that all of you in here who know Jesus Christ wouldn't turn back, because I do believe if you're truly saved, you'll never turn back. Now, you may get off on the wrong tangent, and the Lord might have to, as we say, chasten or dis- discipline you, but you'll, 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 you'll follow the course that he set before you. But how can you know what course he has for you if you don't read the Word? If you do not read the Word, how are you going to know what God wants you to do? You won't. Some people say, well, the Holy Spirit tell me. Yeah, and the devil will tell you something else too. So who are you going to listen to? How are you going to know if it's the devil talking to you or the Holy Spirit? Because you know that the devil comes masquerading as an angel of light. He looks like he's a good thing. I used to go to this church uh, one time, and the pastor would get up there, and he says, well, brothers, sisters, but principally you brothers. He says, behind those, see that girl over there? See that girl over there? No, there's not, she's not over there. <laughs> he would point to the, Some of them are looking over there, but he would point to that. You see that girl over there? Behind those luscious lips are Satan. Because that's exactly the way it works. Satan doesn't look like he is. You know, it, it, you might think going to party and dances and all the other things that go on the clubs are things that, uh, you know, are good. Well, I'll tell you, if you go, go into those kinds of things, I've been there too, I've done that, so I know what I'm talking about. They'll get you in trouble ultimately. Amen. So you got to watch what you do. So to start off with, again, if my people are called by my name, will humble themselves. That is the first thing this thing says to Israel, humble. What is humbleness? Being humble towards people, okay? It means to do away the pride that you have. Humble yourself before God. That means bow down. You know, even when King Solomon uh, was dedicating the temple, he got down on his knees. Daniel got down on his knees. You know, sometimes we stand up. And in Israel, during the Sanhedrin and some of the religious people, they would stand up. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with standing, but I'm just telling you, the Bible says bow your knee. But he's really talking not only bowing your knees physically, but he's talking about bow your heart. Be humble before God himself, okay? So we have to understand that. So this is the first thing. Humble yourself. 
The flesh is proud, but we are admonished to be humble people. Paul writes in Ephesians 4, verses 1 and 2. He says, I urge you to have a life worth, have a life worthy of calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. You know, this, this brings to mind, for me anyway, uh, I know some people I've counseled before who are married. There's no humility between, you know, we might humble ourselves towards certain people, but we don't have any humility hardly even for our spouse sometimes. And, uh, you know, we need to be careful of that. We need to humble ourselves before our spouse. We should be there to help her in every respect, you know. And I know my, my wife kind of chuckles at me sometimes because, you know, when we, uh, when we I, I tend to do the dishes. I wash the dishes. I let her do in the cooking because she, you know, she, uh, she supplies all my needs according to riches and glory, you know. But, <laughs> but she, she loves to cook, and I know Elizabeth does a great job of that too. I've heard some of your escapades are in that good food. So, you know, but us men need to help out at the house, do we not? We need to humble ourselves in what we're doing, not only at home uh, before our spouse, but if men, if you're not doing that, it's loving, loving your wife as Christ loved the church. I mean, there's an actual thing that we can do in our personal lives and not just say, you do all this stuff and I'll, I'm going to go work and you stay at home or if she is staying home. But some of them go to work, they come home and they have to do everything else. And we just sit there with the remote. Matter of fact, I forgot my remote. But anyway, you know, isn't that true sometimes? Give me the remote. I hope you don't ask for a beer on top of that. Well, anyway, we're to humble ourselves before God. Humbleness is recommended for every believer. And uh, humility looks inward, okay? It looks inward. It doesn't look outward, okay? It looks inward. We can easily say that the problem in our world today has to do with the society, our culture, Hollywood, the media, all these other problems. But the problem is us, you and I. And that's what Solomon was talking about. And the Lord told him this. He says, if my people call by your, my name or humble themselves, the humility that we have to say, Lord, I can't do this by myself. How many of us try to do things on our own? Next week, we're going to be preaching online. <laughs> no, but isn't that true? We don't humble ourselves. We, we, we rely on ourselves too much. But before we do anything, we ought to humble ourselves. And the second thing it says to pray, Amen. to pray. Prayer is not for God. Prayer is for us to ask God to beseech him. You know, we, need, we sometimes want to be so independently minded. I, I know you even go buy a car and do you pray over uh, a, a purchase you make? Probably not. Most of us. Sometimes you might. It just depends on how big it is. But we ought to be praying about everything that we do. Amen. Everything. Even, John, if you get on a, go on a vacation to Hawaii. John just got back from Hawaii. That's why I'm picking on him. But, you know, that's, those are the kinds of things. And he didn't even ask us to go with him. You know, that would really been humility. <laughs> but anyway, the thing is that we need to pray. And, and, and that is advocated throughout. We see Jesus even prayed. Now, if Jesus has to pray, doesn't that say something about us? Don't we have to pray? We're beseeching God. We're asking you. It says you will not receive unless you ask. Ask and you shall receive. And so many times we don't ask. We ought to be asking God for everything. Be totally dependent on him 
for everything, and sometimes we have to stop and catch, our, catch ourselves because we're not doing that. So the second thing was to pray. Humi- uh, humble yourself and pray and seek my face. Now, King Solomon really understood this. Being the king of all Israel, the, uh, the great man, a great man of wisdom, he, he was, God was telling him that they need to come and seek my face. Well, what does seeking my face mean? It doesn't mean getting up in your face, okay, on a negative basis, but it means to get into the presence of God. You know how we seek, our, seek God's face? Not only in prayer, but we seek his face when we read his word. We're seeking God some guidance here. Illuminate in me what I need to do. That's what it's all about, is seeking, seeking him out and, and his face. And uh, Scripture says that you have been raised with Christ and set your heart on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above. I, I'll, I'll tell you, I think all of us are getting the flesh so much that we have a hard time you know, setting our minds on the things above. We're concerned with everything else except the things above. We need to set our minds on the things above, and some of these things, some of these problems we have would go away. So seeking God is, is, is so important for everything that we do. The fourth thing it says, and turn from your wicked ways. Now, he's talking to the Jewish people in this, but he's talking to us. We have to turn away from our wicked ways. Are we a holy people? I've uh, done this before in church, and I said, how many of y'all in here are holy or, or saints? And, you, you know, people ain't going to raise their hand because I ain't no saint. Well, the Bible declares you a saint when you're saved. Okay, it doesn't mean you're perfect. It means you've been set apart for him. Okay? Sanctified. We need to really, uh, I think, talk about that a little bit and be sure that you know, God has a great deal to say about repentance. We have to be repentant, okay? We have to turn to him, seek his faith, stand in front of him. And I bet you uh, when people went before King Solomon, they were bowing down, they were doing all kinds of things. When you go before God, do you bow down to him, his wish, or are you praying for your own personal needs and wants? We need to absolutely turn away from our wicked ways. And in America, I don't even know anymore... If, there's so much wickedness going on in America today, it's unbelievable. I was just reading this week uh, that uh, about all the gay per, uh, rights parades and all the other things that are going on, and, and we're not seeking God's face. As a matter of fact, the Californians now have decided that uh, they're not coming to Texas because we uh, rebuked the, the homosexual community in terms of some of the things and said any state-sponsored, any state-sponsored travel they're not going to sponsor it anymore. You can't, go to, you can't go to Texas because of our stand. Well, I hope we believe and stand on that, okay? I, I don't hate gays. I don't hate anybody. I don't hate my enemies. But there's things that we can't allow into our culture, and we have already, and I don't know that we can turn it back at this point, but the, the sure thing is is that if we will humble ourselves and pray and seek his face and turn from our wicked ways, then God's going to do something. Those are the four things we just talked about. There's three things now God says that he'll do. He says that uh, he would hear from us. Well, how is he going to hear from you? Well, because you've humbled yourself before God, you've prayed, you sought his face, and you, you turn away, you repent. And now he says that he will uh, hear what we're saying. 
God's attentive to our prayers, but you know, if we're living disobedient to him, if we're living a wicked life, we're doing things, if we come to church and say one thing and go out there and live like, literally like hell, uh, God doesn't listen to that prayer. He doesn't hear that. In other words, it's blocked before it ever gets into the throne, throne room. We need to humble ourselves, okay, and, and turn away, repent from those, those things that we do. Um, we need to keep his commandments. And those things that are, that are pleasing in his sight, according to 1 John 3, 22, he's always attentive to your prayer. He hears it. But what's the question? The question is, will he react to it? Will he do anything? Obedience brings a blessing, and disobedience brings disaster, according to uh, Deuteronomy chapter 28. If you go back and read the blessings and the curses on Israel, God had told them already what was going to happen to them, ultimately. And they, they exactly did that. And so... Every nation, listen, if you don't think, if you don't think the, the world's after uh, to destroy Christians, think about this. Even in the book of Revelation, after the, after the, the world uh, gets into the battle of Armageddon and the people, the, the unbelievers are, are taken, uh, killed and or taken, who would be left? Believers. But you know, over the next thousand year reign of Christ on earth, do you know that a large percentage of people will turn against God? And it says that God will release Satan from the fiery pit one more time. One more time to deceive the people. And they will turn against God. People are always turning against God because they don't want to bow down. They don't want to do what God wants them to do. And I'd pray that we as believers would stick to the, the things that God wants us to do. He wants to hear from you. But it has to be somebody that walks in righteousness. And then it says, and he promises to forgive. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to purify us from all unrighteousness and cleanse us from the sin. If we do that, God is willing to do it. What a magnificent God that is who is willing to confess. If you'll just confess, there's two kinds of things. There's one thing called a profess and another thing called confess. You know what the difference between the two is? You can profess anything you want. You can say anything you want. Confess is you go before God and say, God, I've done this. I messed up one more time. And you know what? God's faithful. He'll cleanse your heart if you'll just confess that to him. But if you profess this, oh, I'm, I'm saved. Uh, what do I need to go to you? I've I already gotten saved. Profession is not worth the flip if you don't confess it if you're not truly in line with God's word. And then the final things is God said, and he says, I will heal your land. I will heal your land. Now, this doesn't apply to us. This applied to the Jewish people. God's not going to heal our land. Now, some people misapply this, but you have to look at the context. God never gave us a piece of real estate. And I know I talked about the Mayflower Compact, but God didn't give us the land, even though God has blessed us in this land. But he told the Jewish people, he said, if you will do this, I will heal your land. And have they done that? No, no. They turned away from him, and they have not got back to the point. And that will not get to that point until uh, the tribulation period comes, which is not far down the road. When they get into tribulation, there are many of them that are going to turn to the Lord and say, Lord, exactly what this is. Humble yourself, pray, and seek his face, and turn from the wicked ways. 
Then they hear from heaven, forgive their sins, and heal their land. Now, how does this apply to you and I? Well, God heals hearts. He heals Christian hearts. He, he, I say heal Christian hearts. He heals unbelievers' hearts. That's what he heals. And, you, and, and then you can walk in the land and you are a blessing to other people. So that's one of the things that we need to keep in mind as we walk, with, uh, walk in this world is to commit to God, okay? And if we're willing to implement these solutions, we'll see magnificent things happen. I will tell you this as we get ready to close here. In Revelation 3 and 20, it says if, uh, that God stands at the door. He's talking to the Laodicean church, which is lukewarm, who doesn't really care. They don't even let him in the door. He says, I stand at the door and knock. Whoa. He stands at the door and knocks. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. What does that mean? He says, I stand at... Now, he was talking to a church, a Laodicean church, a church that claimed to know him but didn't know him. He said, I stand at the door knocking. And if you hear his voice talking to you this morning, you have an opportunity to receive him. You know what? The great thing about God is he loves us beyond anything you can even imagine. Okay? How many of you in here have children? A lot of you. How many in here would sacrifice your child for somebody else that you don't even know? I don't think I see any hands. We wouldn't do that, but God did. That's how much God loves us, and God wants to clear the slate. He wants to cleanse the slate for all of us. And so we have to come to him humbly and ask him, God, you come. I'm not ashamed of you. I I need your help. I might have told you this story last time I preached, but I was preaching at church one time, and and, uh, the Bible says that if you look on your brother with hate in your heart, you've already murdered him because that's how Cain and Abel started out. He ended up, Cain and Abel were brothers, okay, and Cain killed Abel because he didn't like what Abel was doing, that he was making a sacrifice to God. And, and, you know, interesting thing about that is that, you know, we have to be very careful of what we do. Cain and Abel is a, a good example of how we cannot have hate in our heart for our brother, anybody, okay? But he hated, and it's, and it's this death that started out as hatred ended up death. So Jesus says, if you have hate in your heart, you've already killed your brother. Because if there was no law against it, you'd kill him probably. Any of y'all felt like killing Don't raise your hand. If ever, any of y'all ever felt like killing somebody? Maybe your wife, your spouse, or, or something like that? Haven't you, we, we say that, uh, we, you know, but we don't mean it that way. But... If you have hatred in your heart for somebody, it starts with those kinds of things. And the Bible says to forgive. If you forgive, God will forgive. I'm going to finish with this. When Ezekiel spoke, he said in uh, Ezekiel 14, 3, he says, Son of man, 
These men have set up idols in their hearts and put wicked stumbling blocks before their faces. Should I let them inquire of me? And the Lord responds to Ezekiel and he says, no. These guys can't come up here and talk to me. He says, you tell them to repent and then come. And see, that's where it's all about. We have to repent. If we want God to do the things in our life, we have to be willing to repent. Humble ourselves before him. Okay? Let us bow our heads. Father, we thank you for your wonderful word. We thank you for what it means to us. We thank you, Father, that we can come to you and confess our sins. And you're faithful and just to purify us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Father, it is you that do these things for us. We can't do them ourselves, Father. And I'm asking right now, Father, if there's anybody in here that would like a relationship with you, would they like to seek your face for guidance? Father, maybe they're walking with you right now and they've turned away. But God, I know all we have to do is confess our sins and you'll bring us back into the fold. So I just pray for anybody here that might find themselves in that situation, Father. But there may be some people in here that don't even uh, have a relationship with you, Father. And that's the first step. You're standing at the door knocking. And you want to come in and fellowship with them. But they have to invite you in. You hold your hand out with a free gift, the gift of salvation. And Father, I just pray right now, God, that you would touch these people. Touch all of us, God. Even those that are sitting here who know you. That we might turn away from the things that we've done in the flesh. So that you might be glorified in our actions. And we give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We invite you to like us on Facebook or visit our website, www.bearcreekbaptist.org. If you're not a member of another church, we would like to invite you to join us in person and get to know us and let us get to know you. Have a great week, and may the Lord richly bless you.